there's all these women that are just being ignored with how do they want to feel half naked on a beach. It was so important to me that they had a positive self-image of themselves, that nothing was impossible for them, because that really instilled with me that I can do anything. The more you start to learn about business, you do see how much of an impact running one has on the environment. So many individuals can feel really helpless, but I know that if you can make change within a huge corporation or small business, like you can make significantly more change than just an individual alone. New level, new devil. You get to one level, that was real hard. And then there's something else that like past you could not have even entertained the thought of going through that kind of problem. All of that built your kit to be able to deal with this huge problem. You evolve as you need to, depending on what life is throwing at your way. And the beauty of having a business is you're putting yourself in harm's way. So often you either stop or you grow. I'm Amber Boyers and this is Life, Money and Love. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. All right, we're on again, episode two in the makeshift studio. Amber, thanks for coming. We have today an awesome episode. I was actually a little bit surprised when I came across you, uh, a brand called Bioswim, where you've, you did $8 million in revenue last year, um, predominantly focusing on e-commerce, and I was uh, I was a little bit surprised that a brand that's had as much success as you guys I hadn't come across before obviously I'm not your target market so it makes sense but I'm still a little bit surprised so what I reckon the way I'd want to start this one because I think a lot of what you guys do is really special it's really different um, and you're doing it in your own way and obviously it's working for you so instead of me letting people know kind of why your brand's different so special I thought we'd start off today if you could just let me and let everyone listening know kind of a little bit about what you guys, who you guys are and what you guys do and what makes you different to like all the other swimwear brands in the market? Yeah. Um, Yeah, really good question. I could answer that in so many different ways. But, you know, we'll start off with swimwear Mm -hmm. as a whole. And when we think of the swimwear market, we think it's such a saturated market. And I've always thought, like, yes, it's saturated, but for a particular type of woman. There's all these women that are just being ignored with how do they want to feel half naked on a beach? Um... And so that's a huge thing about what makes us different is we're speaking to a very clear woman who has gone unheard for so long. But, yeah, basically it's a swimwear company that's really focused on really changing the confidence of women, especially women who have just had babies or have, you know, said goodbye to their adult babies, so really transitional parts of their lives. Um, And they're women that so many people in their everyday lives look up to and hope, you know... I can think of when I was growing up, I was raised by a single mum and her sisters. It was very matriarchal and it was so important to me that they had a positive self-image of themselves, that nothing was impossible for them because that really instilled with me that I can do anything. And I may be getting quite like um, grandiose here or philosophical, but I really think like if there's women who are feeling some kind of way that's negative at the beach and half naked, if I can get them feeling really empowered in themselves that's a domino effect into the rest of their life that's how they show up in their house it's how they show up as aunties as caretakers and that just trickles on to their children to their loved ones yeah but they're they're the women that are giving so much love and pouring so much into everyone else right yeah for sure and because of that it's so easy for them to get caught up on what everyone else needs and not think that they need to be heard and I really wanted to make sure that if I was going to build a business I wanted to speak to women who had gone unheard for a very long time um, and make it more than just a swimsuit, make it a real kind of switch in their life that, mm. hang on, I'm sexy again. Like I feel like my young, beautiful, confident self. When did that change? Why did I stop showing up and, and helping them show up? And I love the way that you, you guys have done it in terms of your designs. Like you, you've got 
you got your reversible designs. You've got the four-piece bikinis or swimsuits and your three-piece bikinis and swimsuits. So when you look at it, I can see the way how you've actually – obviously it's nice to say, oh, yeah, I want to help these women who might not have as many swimwear options that they feel confident and sexy in. But you've actually created products that really does make them look their best and feel their best. Like that's And that's coming from a guy – late 20s and to be able to see that straight away I thought damn that's really cool but what also is really cool about your garments is they're like made from recycled ocean plastic like can tell me a little bit about how you've infused that because you, you're really tackling two main issues there's the the body confidence and the self-confidence thing that I want to get into a lot but then there's also the sustainability piece and the, and the positive effect that you're having on, on the planet mm-hmm. yeah for sure um you know, the environment, I think I've always identified as somebody who's very sensitive to the environment. And even one of my favourite subjects at uni when I was doing my degree was corporate social responsibility. Spending some time in the Solomon Islands when I was younger and just like roaming around in nature, I do feel quite connected to it. At the same time, I've always known I've wanted to start a business, but the more you start to learn about business, you do see how much of an impact running one has on the environment. And so many individuals can feel really helpless. But I know that if you can make change within a huge corporation or small business, like you can make significantly more change than just an individual alone could. So I, before I had even started the business, um, I was really interested in ethical or conscious or sustainable fashion. So I started an Instagram account about that back in like 2014, I think. Um, no one was really talking about it and I don't think – sustainable fashion was it wasn't branded right like it just wasn't people who followed trends and loved fashion they would kind of look at it and be like eh you know it's a kind of hippie kind of thing so I was like if I can come in and try and make it more appealing to just everyone and it is now it's definitely taken that way but this was early on um then yeah I could feel really fulfilled in what I'm doing while I'm spending time on social media so yeah sustainability being conscious about your business decisions, what impact what you're creating has on the planet. It's always been really important. And so I knew as soon as I started a business, it had to run with that. Otherwise, I felt like I'd be out of integrity with myself a little bit. You mentioned growing up for a few years uh, in the Solomon Islands. What was what was that like to, to grow up there in your childhood? And how do you think that has shaped the woman you are today and the decisions you've made in your life and with your business? Mm. It's really funny because I never kind of – you just think, oh, I lived there for a little bit and, you know, everyone had the same kind of experience growing up. But looking back, I can see why – you know, I attribute my main success in business to having a lot of self-trust, like just having my back despite the shit that's going to happen because it's going to happen. And I look back to when I was younger and I only spent a few years there but they were formative years and I was just – I was allowed to run free. We are in Munda. It's kind of like this beautiful tropical oasis – um and everyone knew who I was I knew who everyone was it was safe I could run along the beach go into the forest I felt like I'd just disappear for hours I don't know maybe my mum was watching somewhere but I think back I'm like really like where where were my parents (laughs) but I just was like yeah I I can take on the world like I can do this I can do that whatever I got this and I was always doing that in a little swimsuit as well so that kind of it all falls back it's like when did I feel the best it's when I was this little girl running around exploring nature you know, getting bruised, but getting back up again. And and that's um, before all the ideas that come into people's head that start making them question their self-worth or their, their body image. You don't even think about all that sure. at that stage. So you can really just express yourself and be free and truly explore and have fun. Now, mm-hmm. what 
you said you had like a lot of like just you backed yourself, you just dove into everything. Do you do you feel that your childhood or your parents did they help instill that in you, or what developed that just belief in yourself and trust to just go for it? Um, I really only remember being raised by my mum, so I was about four or so, four or five, I think, when we left Solomon. So still early, came to Australia and she was a single mum, really didn't have a lot of money um, and she was working a lot so we didn't really get to see her as much as we would have liked. I think just having to realise from a young age that you have to be self-sufficient and you have to learn how to self-soothe, you know, things that are going on, you can either have a tantrum for ages or you can, like, deal with, okay, What's the next best step here? Like, I know that sounds crazy. That's not on the conscious mind of a mm. five or six-year-old. Um, but it was that ability to go, okay, I'm going to have to be quite independent if I want to enjoy the advert or, like, you know, take adversity and turn it into something. But also watching my mum work really hard and watching her never really complain about it. And she was always very opti- – extremely optimistic like one of the most optimistic people I know to this day like she's just kind of in her own world like oh how great and oh yeah like she'll be fascinated by she's kind of like a childlike wonder and she's never really had high expectations for any of her children it's like whether you do really bad I still really love you and whether you do really good I still love you like sometimes she still even asks like oh what's what's the name of your business (laughs) like she's just so it's not about what we do that makes us worthy to her it's about just us being and um, knowing that I always had that support and knowing that I can always give that support to myself as well, I think that's what's helped me just go like everything, I can figure anything out. It may not be the most ideal situation that I'll come up with, but I'll get through this. And have you spoken to any other people, potentially other young women that's interested in getting into business about your experience and people looking up to you and using that as motivation? Yeah, I do. I, I'm still kind of learning to accept it when people are like, oh, you're so great and this and that. I just go, I'm not any different from anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I definitely have. It's kind of probably a self-sabotaging thing where I, I just brush it off and I'm, you know, upper limiting where I can't accept or let those really wonderful compliments land, which I'm starting to realise like is hindering the value that other people could be receiving, you know, and I could actually really help other people if I just accept the compliment and not get uncomfortable and squirmy with it. Yeah, I think I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. Even yeah. myself, I'm a very outgoing person. But then at the start when you start getting like a lot of praise from all these external people, it's like it's just it's just a weird feeling. It's like I, don't, I, I personally when I get it, I really – I genuinely don't let it, it, it penetrate me because like I don't care what anyone else thinks really about me. I know who I am as a person, what my values are. So I don't let it get to me, but it's still when someone gives you a compliment or that, it's really hard to uh, like accept a compliment and, and like just take it on and like thank someone for it. I feel like it's something that particularly Australians because we have like everyone wants to like downplay, yeah. uh, downplay their achievements or no, I'm nothing special. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot of value in humility. But what I realised when I started getting out there in business, I was getting like intro to people far more successful to me like – net worth over a hundred million and like introed into all these places and, and working with some really cool people in PR mm-hmm. and I'd meet them and they'd say, Oh, this is the only, this is his business is happy skin. He's done X amount of million in this amount of time. And that I would ha- start those conversations and start being like, Oh no, it's nothing, not, not, not that special or good. And then it's like, I realized that's not 
the way the world works. You have to own who you are, own your accomplishments. Um, yeah, it was just something I had to learn, but it's something that doesn't come naturally to, to a lot of people. And I want to ask you something. Tell me if it's, if it's too personal, but I, I was raised by a single mother as well with a lot of help from grandparents, which made it even better and was the best. But do you feel that you missed out on anything by being raised by a single parent or would you not change it? There are possibly things I missed out on. It's not a question – I'm very good at kind of going, is this question really going to help me? Like I could get mm-hmm. overwhelmed with what I could have missed out on, but I wouldn't change it. So I don't ever really kind of look into that question. I think like I'm just so blessed with whatever adversity came my way and the support I had from my mum and my siblings to, you know, sit through the adversity and take something of it. Mm. Um I wouldn't change anything at all. Yeah, no, I asked the question because in no way everyone's like, Dylan, have you ever like suffered any adversity? And I say, no, I haven't. But then people try and be like, oh, but you didn't grow up with your dad or you didn't blah, 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 all this stuff. But really I think like being raised by like a a single, a single parent for for a lot of your life is, is, is an amazing blessing now. Yeah. I want to take it back to, to what you were speaking about, why it's so important to you to be able to help these people and these women feel confident now. It seems like a lot of the motivation comes from seeing people in your life and role models like your mother potentially and, and seeing women like that and want to give them, help them feel their best. But was there ever a, a period in your life um, where you maybe felt a little bit insecure or you felt a little bit vulnerable that triggered you and made you realise, no, I want to make this a business? I think for women, I can't speak to the experience of men, but for women... I would say most, as soon as you hit puberty and your body just changes, you're like, what are these things? And now I have to kind of behave a certain way so that I don't get myself into trouble or, you know, you've got to be careful about what you do. Well, so, you know, society will tell you. Um, Yeah, I just think it's always there. Like it's this lingering like, oh, this is interesting. And I'm not trying to make that a negative experience. That's just life. Like, yeah, we go through changes. But ever since really then, that's when I had this outside awareness of what my body looked like. And then you go, oh, this is how it is. And even though you wouldn't know it when you meet me, there's everyone. I I don't know if I speak on behalf of most or all women, but like there's always going to be concerns there and um, low confidence in certain areas. There's been lower times than others. I'm at a really good place now. I think obviously time and really valuing and respecting yourself, you kind of look at that kind of stuff less and judge yourself less and I know so many of our customers who have just given birth and they're so appreciative of their body it has become less of a thing but they still do want to feel a certain kind of way that a garment can make them feel on the beach but it was never obvious that that's what I wanted to do like I knew I wanted to start business and but for me I'm very fortunate that um, how I felt in my body while it's lingered it hasn't consumed me and it hasn't been this I've got to do something like, I've got to start a business about this. It was more of just a natural progression. Like, it'd be really cool if I could make something that, for me personally, I have more of a rectangle body. I was like, I'd love to have a swimsuit that made me look more feminine, made me, give me curves, give me a waist and hips and, you know. Um, and so I, you know, did something just for me, really thinking I would speak to women who had the same problem. And what ended up happening was it really just appealed to women who, it was still a concern with their body, but it was a different a different problem to them of, you know, what what they wanted to address in their body and 
Yeah, I hope that made sense. I yeah, no, it, 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 it makes sense. And like that you, you mentioned as you've grown and matured, it's become less of a less of a thing in your life and you never let it consume you. But were there certain things that you've done or are there anything like perspective flips that you can share, like things that people could implement in their life that has either helped you or you believe can help help them feel more confident in their own body or or build their own self-confidence? Because I'll tell you, male or a female, I do I, I, I put out a bit of content and a lot of the things people ask me about is how do you build self-confidence? How do you build self-belief? How have you been able to, over the years, build your own self-belief and self-confidence? Yeah, because that's one thing that hasn't come easy to me, even though I make it seem like, yeah, I trust my back and you put me in a room. I'm very, I'm actually naturally very introverted, very shy, think I'm going to stuff up what I'm going to say and I have been known to just you know, not go to social events because I don't want to stuff up. So that comes from, you know, I'm very confident in so many parts, but there's always going to be parts that I need to grow on. But for me, what's been huge is obviously starting a business. Like You just have to show up even when you feel like I don't have the confidence to do this. You have to. So getting into that space for me has been meditation in the mornings. Not so good at it anymore. I need to get back into the routine. But um, meditating really just focusing on reshaping the thoughts that you keep feeding yourself. Like when you catch yourself going, oh, I'm going to stuff up, you're just like, is that true? Like is that how – how can you know? You're just self- giving yourself false evidence. So much of what our confidence is based on are filters that we think, you know, maybe they protected us when we were children or whatever, but we can question the filters now. Like is that really true? Where's the evidence to show that I'm unsocial or I'm not good enough in this? Like – that's really diluted, those thoughts, if you really think about it. And if those are diluted, well, I may as well replace them with another diluted thought that actually I'm fantastic. Like, I I know I got this. And um, it's always come back to that thought, like, I've got my own back, even though sometimes it really doesn't feel like that. Noticing that when my body's getting into a state of fear and like, oh, I, I can't do this, it's just you can do anything. You can do anything. Like, really rewiring the conversation you have with yourself. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. It's it's such a common theme that people need to unlearn bad habits, not just physical habits that they do in their life, but the mental habits, the processes, the way their mind thinks. And it's always interesting as people get older and they start uh, reflecting on who they are, where they are in life, what they want to get out of themselves. And and, and the biggest thing, I, I feel like one of the most important things is like you can change your life into anything you want, want it to be, anything you want it to be, but it needs to start with controlling your mind and controlling your thoughts. Yes. If you can control your thoughts, you can control everything. I can tell you can make your life whatever it needs to be. 100%. But it can be hard when you've been living for decades of your life, mm-hmm. living and thinking a certain way, thinking with certain behaviours, to then first of all, the first step is realising, hey, the way I'm thinking about XYZ issues or myself, how I perform in social settings or how my body looks is actually holding you back. But it's it's something that either consciously or subconsciously you have created to protect yourself and make you feel good at a certain point in your life. But now if you can, first of all, identify what that is, become aware of it Mm -hmm. and then just start to build day by day the new ways to think about it. And it starts with, like you said, questioning like, okay, is this really serving me? Like why should I have that thought? Am I really bad in social settings or is this just something that I've made up in my head and it now becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy? But and to another point on that, it's like, let me ask you this. Okay, even if – you maybe you're going to go out and, and you will stuff something up. What's the worst that can happen if you're in a conversation and you say something wrong or you forget like, you know? Yeah, like if you go and be in that state and I've done that as well. It's like what's the worst that could happen? You say, oh, shit, sorry, and move on and yeah. no one cares. Like mm. what? it's not 
um, you're not being annihilated by society. Like even though you can feel like that fear will make you think that it's all over if you just don't know the right answer to say or if you come across stupid or, yeah, um, there's exactly. And what, what do you do now when you're faced with those moments when you might feel a little bit uncomfortable but you know you need to do something and you know it's the right thing you do but your body, you feel it resisting it. What, what do you do when you're faced with those moments now? Um, so I have like a little thing that I write down and I learned this from – I listened to another lady called Brooke Castillo and it's like this thing called the model. This is – you know, normally I'm pretty good at getting into it and being like, okay, take a few deep breaths. And But if it comes for – if it's calling for a situation where I have to kind of respond immediately in my head, it's like – you know, let me take two minutes or whatever, I'll go and think, okay, here's the circumstance. Everyone in the room can agree that person A said something to me. Um, my thought is, you know, someone could say, oh, I don't like how you said that. And my thought could instantly be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, and I'll get defensive. It's like, you, I, could, I said that so nicely and whatever. My thought could be like, that's really unfair. And I'm just really identifying what the thought is. It's making me feel frustrated the thought if I could write it down for all the listeners I mm. could but it's a circumstance thought and that creates a feeling which is in this case frustration my action when I'm frustrated and communicating with this person a I could become passive aggressive when I'm not conscious of the mm. of the really the non-helpful thought I'm feeding myself and then the result is I say something in a certain way which reconfirms what the person just said to me anyway. So it's like if I can go back to the thought and be like, oh, can I actually just treat this with a bit more curiosity? Like what – I wonder what it is that I said that landed differently and maybe I can learn something and maybe maybe they can learn a bit about me, that my intention's always good. I don't mean to come across in a certain way. Um, and so the thought is, how? hang on, can I approach this with a bit of curiosity? The feeling then is really calm and just neutral. And then the action is, you know, I ask them a genuine question like, oh, I'm really sorry, how did – what part of that question, you know, not in a mm. passive-aggressive way. Mm. And the action is we actually end up getting to know a bit about each other, which is ultimately, you know, I want to build better relationships with people. Um, that just changing that thought has helped me fulfil that goal. Yeah. So I know that's not a like a very simple answer, but that's what I kind of do automatically in my head. But it, it's really – I think it's a really smart thing to do and I, I like the way you put that because, okay – straight away someone said something to you about you about something you said and it's instantly triggered an emotion in you right mm. that frustration pissed off you don't know me what, what what do i care what you think and it's like you could react and respond like that but it's only going to be a net negative on both ends right yes. you you yeah sure you'll get to release that emotion but they're just going to think yeah i was right they're a dick or whatever and you have to do damage control yeah. afterwards and oh i'm so sorry i was in a bad state and i wasn't thinking clear yeah, for sure. But it's just, like you said, taking the time and, like, it's the same thing on, on social media when, when people comment on your stuff and, like, it's really easy to get to take this, like, defensive state of mind and always approach because sometimes it'll be the opposite. It won't be they thought you did something. Like, they will say something, mean no harm by it, but as humans we can automatically look for the negative and things and be like, oh, they don't like me or they, they're doubting me or they feel like I've done something when maybe just approaching it, taking, like – a bit of time to approach it with the curiosity, like you said, you'll actually be able to realise that, hey, this person didn't mean anything bad by that anyway. And by not having those negative emotions or escalating that, you're only, you would only be hurting yourself by doing that anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's similar in a way, something I learned from from 
I've been doing martial arts for almost seven years now and uh, our like the head of our school, our grandmaster is an absolute legend, the person I probably look up to and respect most in the world and we're so lucky because his day job is like a high-performance psychologist. And one of the things that we – that it's so simple, like the ABC method to like whenever we get into these situations that frustrate us, it's like A, um, just acceptance of facts. Like bad things are going to go wrong in life, in business, in relationships, whatever it is. If you think you're going to go through life with no problems, it's just not realistic. So mm-hmm. acceptance of the facts um, and then behave like constructively. Okay, you can let the worst – situation get to you and tear you down but okay i've accepted the facts this is where i am what where do i need to go from here do, do i need to repair a relationship do i need to fix something for my business what is it make a plan to get yourself out of that um situation constructively not emotionally and then see control emotions and if you can start to rewire that's the way you approach these situations or negative or stressful situations it allows you to actually get through them drop all that shit feeling that can sit with you for days or weeks or whatever and actually move forward past that. So I think having a framework for approaching these situations is really important. Um, and it's, and it's, it's interesting. At what point – do you remember what it was? Was it a book? Was it a person? Was it a mentor that said something for you to realise, hey, i got to flip the way I think about this? Um, I've been really lucky. My mum – was like a huge Tony Robbins fan. So oh, I'd yeah, like, nice. she'd have the cassettes and stuff and I'd be in the back <laughs> of the car like, yeah, massive action. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> chanting in the back of this car. But yeah, and so throughout high school, I was really into that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, thoughts, thoughts. And sometimes I think like we've all been guilty of it. Like I know I can just consume information and not really apply it. So there's been so many times where I'm like, well, I'm still mm. entertaining these thoughts. Um, it, I guess... It just was maybe the first, I'd say maybe the third year in business. I'm like, I have to get really clean on this because these thoughts just weigh me down and I can't make decisions fast enough. And if I act out, you do irreparable damage. You've got to make sure you've got a good culture and you really respect your employees and they respect respect you. And same with your customers. You've got to make sure that everything comes from as much clarity as you can give your mind um, and so that's when I was like, I need a frame. Like I get all this. I've been aware of meditation and positive thinking and trying to see things in an optimistic light. But I, I really needed something that, like you said, you, some people need a framework, some people don't. I needed that mm. to really be able to go, uh-huh, okay, yes, and um, rewire the thoughts in a very short amount of time instead of letting the feelings mm. take over. And sometimes like – just taking two minutes, to, even if it's 10 seconds, five minutes to do that, it's so beneficial. But I feel like myself personally, I've always been a very fast-paced, mm-hmm. impatient individual. Yeah. So it's like I, I don't want to stop and think. I don't want to stop and relax. Just get out of my way and let me do it. But you're harming yourself by doing that. Now, I want to I get into the business, the journey, how it all started. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I believe it was 2016, right? You, you first launched the business in 2016. Mm-hmm. You're working two or three other jobs and running like a pretty successful fashion blog tell me about where you were when you first launched the business and kind of where you were mentally and what triggered you to actually make the decision no I'm, I'm going to commit to this mm-hmm. I'm going to back myself and I'm going to try and make this happen yeah um so I was running more it was more of like an Instagram account I'm not very good at writing I've never yeah. really loved writing so I had a little blog wasn't really going off but the Instagram was good in. you know I'd post things and research things about other brands um, so I had that and then I was working at Q, the body shop, 
and I had a digital marketing job at this small e-commerce business in uh, in Brisbane and they were focused on eco-homewares as well. So spending my time among those things and then starting the Instagram account and I was really fortunate at the time. I had just come back from some overseas travel and started seeing this guy and he's like, you can come live with me. Um, we were living with his family, so we were sharing a room. Just because where I lived was so far out, it wasn't close to my jobs and it would just take too much time. So I stayed with him and um, I think maybe a year after living there, just still living with his family, which I'm really fortunate uh, and grateful for, um, I was really thinking like, I, you know, summer was approaching. I couldn't really find any sustainable swimwear brands that I really wanted to share on my Instagram account. And I noticed just from the conversations of, you know, in Q, you'd have women who'd come in they'd be like, oh, I bought a dress at Q 20 years ago and I still wear it. And I was like, wow, like being born into such a fast fashion era, hearing these stories about how people were really looking after their products and, the, you know, um, the the integrity of the garment was really such a big thing to reduce waste, which was a conversation I was having on my Instagram account at the time with people. And then also at the body shop um, with Anita Roddick, the founder, and she had brought so much, like she did in the 80s, like corporate social responsibility and like donating to um, charities and really using business as a force for good and people, customers would come in and rave about that and I was like, oh, this is really starting to be important to people and it's important to me as well. I love that people are seeing the worth in, in these socially responsible business practices and then also with this eco-homeware store, it was, you know, eco-homeware. So people were appreciating it. It was a little more consciously crafted. Um, I was also kind of, you know, sitting there and looking around at what I was doing for this little business. I was like, oh, I could do this. <laughs> and, you know, you always think you can do something. And um, so that kind of coincided when I was looking for swimwear, sustainable swimwear brands. I'm like, I can't find anything I like. You know, I can do it. I can do it better, whatever. And you always think you do. And obviously I put myself out there Um I'll get back. To, I'll get to that later. But basically, what really forced me into starting a business was my university was doing a social good competition, and they're like, for past students, if you have some kind of social good competition uh, idea, put it forward. If we think it's great, we'll choose four of you to give two thousand dollars to. And I ended up being one of those four uh, winners. Um, but on the basis of receiving that money, you have to have shown that a website and it's all actually done and so I think within like 48 hours I was like hey <laughs> Shopify um I was like mom we got to drive to Noosa you got to take photos of me in these bi- <laughs> and these bikinis like prototypes that I had yeah, yeah. and you know because I had found a supplier and everything but I just never or spoken to suppliers like a month before I'd never really actually decided on a date to launch my business and I don't think I would have done it for a while if it wasn't for the urgency of that competition, getting the money and having to prove that otherwise they'd probably take the money from me. So I put everything up, got photos up there, started posting around in Facebook groups. I was like, hey, I've started this business. Here's a like discount code for everyone in this group and that's really how it got off and then I shared it on my Instagram. So... Yeah, that's really how I started. That's where I was working on those jobs, not thinking I had enough time to run a business, really wanting to, but like, no, no, I don't have time. But then that thing just got me into action. Like I just had to do it if I wanted that $2,000. Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes it's great. You just need those external deadlines or those external motivations to get you going. Like you said, it could have took you an extra six months, yeah. an extra year. Maybe it wouldn't have happened. Clearly it was destined to happen. But yeah, I want to ask you, you said like when did you – when did you know you wanted to, to definitely start a business? Like, were you thinking this 
for many years after throughout uni when did you get the idea of it's just a matter of time until i start my own business i think i came out the womb <laughs> knowing i wanted <laughs> i don't know i just like even being young i'd find things and like repaint them or like a jewelry i'd make jewelry from like little beads and stuff and I don't know how I sold them, but it was obviously my aunties and just yeah. friends and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, good for you. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. I can make some money. Um, and for me, I knew that money just meant opportunity. Having not as much money as people around you and realising you don't get as much opportunity as they do, if I can make more money, then I'll I'll be up there with everyone. So I was really driven by that. Um, and I've just always been quite stubborn, I guess. And I think my ideas are right. And so I just thought, okay, well, I have to have a business <laughs> because I'll never I'll never rest until yeah. like we can at least see how my idea goes and if it fails and I can rest easy kind of thing. But I just always knew I wanted to be a business owner and I really looked up to people's parents, like friends' parents or um, my uncles or whoever who had businesses. I was like, wow, that's so cool. And I wish I could do that. Um, so I've always known and I've, yeah, I was just waiting for the right time which, again, I'm lucky that I was kind of pushed to do and choose something because the right time never comes. Like you just have to start. Mm. And that money, that $2,000, how much was the entire initial investment to get your first batch of stock? 4000 Yeah. <laughs> so it was a really small – I think it was like one box mm -hmm. and I had found this manufacturer who could work with a really small um, quantity, minimum order quantity. And, yeah, I had the three jobs. So I had 2000 in savings, 2000 something, and then I got the 2000 from this university and I just put it in and I'm sure there was it would probably cost extra but I just can't really remember like it would have been income from my jobs and I just put it straight in there and I never really tallied it. Isn't it crazy like that was your whole life savings at that point, $4000, well that's even half of that's the grant and then like think about the how much how much you've done since then. Like what did what did you guys do last year? 8. Point. Yeah, just over eight. And yeah. like from a from a, a business that you started when you're working three jobs, mm -hmm. like put in this application to get that extra $2,000 and it's just like that's the part, these stories is why I want to have the podcast, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like hearing these people that just always had a dream in the back of their mind that knew that they, they wanted to do more. Like you said, like I needed to try. Like if I didn't try, I would never know. You'd always have that mm -hmm. over your head questioning or oh, could I do it? Like and then you, you saw an opportunity and you took it. So I, I just – these sorts of stories are the things that really excite me now. I want to get into like a little bit more of the process, how you made that happen now. How were you able to find was – it, was it difficult to find a manufacturer to work with like these sorts of recycled materials or was it quite, quite yeah. easy? Um, I thought it was difficult but having spoken to other people who have started businesses, I think I had it quite easy. So there were a few – I had some – um, manufacturers suggested to me as well by people who had kind of known and who had worked in manufacturing they had never worked with the manufacturer I ended up going with but I think there were like five or so that I had like emailed and gotten samples and things for uh, from but there was a particular type of fabric I wanted to work with and I knew about the fabrics because I had written on like on Instagram about like oh you know if you're looking for a brand look for these fabrics and this is why um, and this manufacturer had a really strong relationship with the fabric supplier and I got them to send me um, some garments and ask them about their accreditation and all the things. And they just – they were pretty good. And they were – I think also they were – just how we communicated was the easiest mm. as well. And they were able to work with such a small number. Yeah, that's even a big win being able to find someone. Yeah. Like I remember when we started the business, 
now it's like however many we sold ridiculous <laughs> amount and like we because we our product's quite expensive like we launched and they were already like 250 bucks from the start so it's like even our cost price is pretty high and i started with a business partner we put in 10 grand each and like we had, ne- had to negotiate as hard as we could down to like I think it was, it was 110 units, but like originally as like the MIQ was like a thousand. We're like, guys, wow. like it's not going to happen. Like, but here, like, cause we were the first brand that really made like at home IPL pop off. So like yeah. it was before anyone, we just sold them the dream. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it work. But it took so long to find someone just to, just to work with us on that MOQ. Mm-hmm. Now that fabric what, what was the fabric and, and why was it that you wanted to use this sort of fabric in, in your garments? Um, so the fabric that we use is a Kaviko Vita. And there's two different types, you can get the polyester or the nylon. But basically I just knew that – and they also use – in the production of this fabric, they use Econil, which is like that's what I had always heard of. So I was trying to find fabric with Econil um, that – had the kind of consistency and stretch that I wanted and the feel like you get all these fabric samples and you feel them you're like oh yeah no I really want to work with this but I just loved the fact that I knew where it was coming from there was a factory in Italy I had um there was was I think it was unified textiles I can't remember the name but they're a Dutch company which like certified that this manufacturer is in fact getting fabric from that Mm company and this is the fabric and it's good and it's all certified so there was just more transparency from this supplier whereas others were kind of like no 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 we don't have that yet and um I just yeah it was I didn't know a lot about fabric but from what I did know I wanted to work with with yeah and and maybe this is a bit on the technical end but how does it work how do they get this plastic and then rework it into like brand new products um so basically ours are made from ghost fishing nets and synthetic carpets um, there's different types of plastic. Some of them can be like melted down and regenerated kind of there's an infinite amount of times you can melt them down and create it into something new. So, but basically they create they collect the discarded ghost fishing nets. I think they get it from like oceans in the Mediterranean and the States and then they have a facility that they melt all of this plastic back down because otherwise the ghost fishing nets are just sitting there. Oh, forever, And right? they catch yeah. so many animals. So it's like you, two birds, one stone. Like you can, <laughs> yeah. you know... <laughs> Um, get the pollution out of the ocean, melt it down into a new fibre. They melt it and regenerate it into a yarn, like a thread, mm-hmm. and that, that constructs, that creates a new fabric pretty much. So that's mm-hmm. how it works. Because at the end of the day, and I, I think most people know this, but you forget it, like when you go and buy um, a brand new top and it's completely synthetic, it's polyester, it's nylon, if it's a virgin fabric, you know, we had to drill out oil to create that garment. Whereas there's so many ways you don't have to keep drilling out oil to make yeah. garments. You can collect an old piece of plastic, melt it down, turn it into a new yarn, give it a new life. So that's pretty much the process. Yeah, interesting. Because um, I looked at all the stats on your website and how much all the benefits of your type of material and mm-hmm. 90% less water it uses and all this stuff. And I was thinking, why don't more brands yeah, and use these sort of uh, materials in their products? But I want to I talk about the, the early days, right? Mm-hmm. You, you launched in 2016 and I know you – it took you about three years until you could – was it three years until you started making profit? But how long mm-hmm. was it until you could go full-time, like you could leave your other jobs behind? How long did it take to get from you launched to, hey, I can actually kind of survive just living off the money I make through the through the business? 
I think it was about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was mid-2019, mm-hmm. which is pretty much the same month the business started making profit. Yeah. I was yeah. like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone else. And then, yeah, I just I waited until I made a profit because obviously rent had to be paid and all that kind of stuff. And it, I was, I've never been good at numbers or at least I tell myself that I could be better. But I just had no idea that I wasn't making money because I had the three jobs money was always there. So it's like, okay, we'll just keep putting it in and, you know. It was just all going into the same account. So you never really looked at. That's a question I wanted to ask because I think a lot of budding entrepreneurs, particularly when it's someone's first business, they don't properly properly understand their finances. They don't – wouldn't even know how to read a P&L. What changed? Like what what made you realise and properly have a look at your numbers and and think, hey, if I want to make a legitimate business here and if I want to build something big and build something that can – make a difference, not only make money, but make a difference. What, what was it that you had to change and what inspired you to, to make those changes? Mm-hmm. Um, I had started working with a mentor um, and he had kind of sat me down. Initially we were working, I wasn't paying him for anything and then he was like, okay, these are my actual services. Like mm-hmm. if you want to start working with me, it'll cost you X amount. And I was like, I've really got to – like, this is crazy. It was an insane amount. And I can remember thinking like, oh, you know, universe, show me like a triple eight if you want me to work with this guy. And as soon as I said it, this car merged in front of me. I had a triple eight number plate. And I thought that's – I know it sounds real crazy, but that's what happened. I was like, I don't care how much this costs. Here you go. Sent it the money. And he is straight away and he's been amazing. I still work with him. He um, helped me set up this whole like Excel spreadsheet, all these things you could – I don't even know how to ex- like calculate profitability, it. see yeah, all your margins, how then, much you need to sell to make X amount. Yeah, um, demand of scale, scale, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like he had shown me like you, yeah, you're selling X amount. If we tip up to this amount, then you start going into the profit and then you know how much you can spend on acquisition with Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. and data. So we set up this whole thing and even still to this day I use this spreadsheet where you can see how, exactly how much profit or loss you've made every day. You know, you put in what you sold mm-hmm. Um, and you can also see like how the conversion rate on your website's going. So it takes in, you know, all the variable cost and the fixed expenses and then spits out, here's your profit. And then we go, okay, awesome. Let's put more into ads tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. in this area or even in the States, take it out from Australia because we, we have it for each hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really, as soon as I started using that thing, it was a slap in the face because I was like, oh my gosh, I lost three grand. Yeah. Like it cost me three grand to run this business mm-hmm. and I had no idea and I'm like working my ass off these three jobs and I'm just losing money um, because I just had no idea what my expenses were. I didn't know anything and then he was like, you really got to do this and I would committed so much money that I was like, yeah, I'll follow I'm this. I'm going to listen to what he said. Yes, yeah. and thank God I did, you know. So I got really clear in the numbers, had that spreadsheet and then he pretty much taught me how to run my own Facebook ads. So I'd ran my own Facebook ads for like the next year and a half. Um, even as, you know, we skipped like a team of seven and just kept growing. Yeah, he was just amazing. But it was so good to have the clarity of numbers. So I, it didn't feel like I was taking a risk when I was, you know, when you see the cost per acquisition, you think, oh, wow, that's huge. But it's like, actually, no, you've still got room for profit yeah. with that. Yeah. I speak to a lot of people of that with consulting and the mentoring I do. Some people just have – some people that have really big businesses just until you have a few key Excel spreadsheets that maps out everything that your business is doing and needs to do in order to be profitable, you just don't know. You're shooting blind. I was so lucky. Yeah. Um, f- first year in our business, we were lucky. We had so much profit in the business that it didn't really matter if we didn't understand exactly where things needed to be. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I was lucky enough to hide my cousin who was pretty high up in the corporate world as like a, a finance manager. Um, I hired him after the first year and he came to work with us. And thank God we did because we were leaving so much money on the table because we just didn't realize yes. how things should be done correctly and like how you can optimize certain things and the numbers you need to be hitting. And if you're hitting a certain number, okay, you can actually spend three times as much. And as long as your ROAS or your, your ROI is over this amount, you're actually generating so much more profit yeah. regardless of, hey, if your overall yes. return is lower, just knowing these metrics and where where they are in your business, it gives you a it gives you a roadmap for how you can actually scale and grow. Because so many people, like you said, you'll be shooting a little bit in the dark mm-hmm. until you until you know these things. Now, this guy you mentioned taught you Facebook ads properly, but you mentioned earlier on it was like how how were you getting your sales before you kind of started approaching it a little bit more like a structured business? You mentioned it was just. You're posting in the Facebook groups. Like, talk me through those first couple years. How did yeah. you get your initial sales? What was that yeah. like? Paint the picture. So I had that Instagram account. Mm-hmm. So that helped. And I think at that point, and I haven't touched it for years. I'm starting to look at it again. I'm like, I should do something with this. I think I had like 15,000 followers or so. Um, so it wasn't huge, but they were listening. So I sold, you know, I could communicate with them. I probably didn't really know how to track whether that was working. Mm-hmm. But I would go into... Um, uh, Facebook groups for women in business or uh, sustainability in business, like join these groups. I was already a part of them, just always having conversations with people anyway. And then normally there's like designated days where you can promote your business. And I would promote the business and give them like a little code for that group. That was really what I would see. I'm like, okay, all these codes are being used because this group works. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my marketing yeah. <laughs> in the early days to get the first few sales and, and what point for you did this, I don't know, was it a, a conscious moment that you realised like in the moment or did you look back and you can pinpoint it now in retrospect, but what was the moment for you when the business went from a side hustle to a full-on legitimate business? That was, yeah, mid-2019. When, when you was, started working with this mentor, was it? Yeah, yeah, when I started working with him. Uh, it was unreal, I think, you know, I went from – you know, two grand in sales a month. And then all of a sudden I was so excited to do, I think I did 30 the yeah. very next month. And that's when, of course, like things start to break because you're like, oh, I need Shit. more stock yeah. or I need staff or I need, you know, so we just kept growing and, and growing. Um, as soon as I saw those numbers, I was like, I'm out. I'm out of the working mm-hmm. hustle. <laughs> I'm fully in on this. And and talk to me about, you know, how it's like you had that moment. It was a lot of money for you to invest in, in this mentoring, mm-hmm. but you asked the universe and you got a sign, yeah. crazy, and you're just like, the commitment that you put into yourself, that pre-commitment, do you think that helped you like give it everything you had? Because it, essentially you've invested all this money. Sure, there's going to be a lot of support and guidance coming from his side. Mm-hmm. But talk to me about the difference it made for you knowing you've invested so much cash into this. Did it fire you up and make you even more committed to make it work that you've just invested all this money? Yeah. Again, very stubborn. So it's like, you, yeah. I'd probably be stubborn to my detriment if the business didn't work out. I just couldn't let go of it. And it wasn't even the fact that I'd put so much money into it. It's like I have to make I have to make this work. Um, yeah. And, and what's it like now? You mentioned you had a supportive partner and his family were great. Mm-hmm. But what what's it like? What was it like starting a business on your own? I know it can be lonely at times for some people. Yeah. I think – I. I've always been like, no, I'm so glad I did it alone. Again, being stubborn, I'm great. I've, look, I'm not 
bad-mouthing myself. I am very good and uh, accommodating and I can reason with people. I'm not like, no, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> like I can very much appreciate other people's perspective and change my mind. Um, but I was like, no, I, I don't think I could do it with anyone else because it's it's my baby and like I have this vision for it and I just don't have time for people to come in and tell me that it should be different and that's worked to my advantage. But definitely looking back and you hear you meet other people who have co-founders and I'm like, yeah, that, I really could have doubled the speed that we grow grew just because you're like you're barely sleeping sometimes. Like you're up, you're doing customer service, website tweaks, photo shoots, stuff, uh, stock issues, all these things, not having a social life. And then the isolation of that when friends are like, let's catch up. It's like we I, – I have all of this on my mind right now and you don't want to hear it because you have no idea what I'm going through and I just can't – I couldn't really – people couldn't relate to me. Um, so it was very isolating and so lucky I had my boyfriend at the time who was just like willing to listen to everything, you know, and now I pay people for that. Like I can get a – coach who I can just like soundboard and kind of complain a little bit and they can help me see a different way of Mm. perceiving that but yeah when I couldn't afford those things I was very lucky to have had just that unconditional support from my partner yeah and and what helped you get through those moments where because I'm sure it's easy even though look you know at the end of the day you're never going to give up Mm -hmm. right but what what got you through those moments when I'm sure we've all had those thoughts and people that say they don't I'm telling you they're lying and I'm I, I say this knowing like you're never going to give up you're never going to walk away but what gets you through those thoughts when like maybe you're feeling a little bit sorry for yourself and you start questioning why am I putting myself through this yeah um something I love to do is again going back to like not just meditating but trying to get myself into a relaxed state and then really just having a conversation with future Amber who's done it all so it's like okay there's Amber who's she's done everything that I want to do I don't know how many years in a head this is, but she's there. She's for sure there. And just trying to offer myself advice of just like, yeah, of course, like this is a really tough time, but like you needed that so you could get here. And like just really having, yeah, that's what I've always gone back to. It's And it that kind of makes you feel less isolated as well when it's like this huge problem that no one else feels except for you. You can have that conversation with future you. I know it sounds a little crazy, but that's what I do. Like stepping into Amber who's done it all. And um, when I kind of come out of that, I go, yeah, this really sucks. But what I'm going to learn from this, regard, I don't know exactly where it's going to go. That's going to help me get to where it is I want to be. And what do you think has been the biggest moment in your life of personal growth? Just having a business. <laughs> um, I, I don't like, know. Has I there been any eureka moments that you – changed something or is it just like this solid progression of like stepping into the best version of Amber? I think it's been a solid progression and like, you know, new level, new devil. Mm. So like you get to one level, that was real hard. Get over it. Oh, cool. And then there's something else that like past you could not have even entertained the thought of going through that kind of problem. But it's like you, all of that built your kit to be able to deal with this huge problem, you know, and you just progressively keep evolving and you evolve as you need to depending on what life is throwing at your way and the beauty of having a business is you're putting yourself in harm's way so often that you just you can't you either stop or you grow um and so for me it's been just constantly just putting myself out there knowing that shit's gonna hit the fan every now and then and 
no matter what, I can overcome this because we're all working towards – we're working towards future Amber. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm sure you, you might have heard Matthew McConaughey, like, he's – like, my, my hero is myself 10 years from now. Yes, yes, that? yes. I think that's the best way to do it. And it's like I'm a big believer in visualisation, the power of visualisation. I use that a lot in my life. And I, I, I tell a lot of people to do that when they're trying to level up in their own lives. Yeah. The way you do it isn't like – of course, it's good to model what other people are doing and saying, okay, here's this other founder that I really admire. But you really need to start seeing yourself already as that person. Mm-hmm. How do they behave? What are, they, what are their habits each day? How do they approach certain situations? How do they perform under stress? How do they have uncomfortable conversations? What do they do? How do they think, move, feel? First of all, you've got to paint that picture really clearly. Yeah. And then the next part, and this is the important part, you've got to start believing you already are that. Yes. And yeah, for just sure. As soon as you can get clear on that, and then you can start thinking that and acting and behaving as much as you can in that way, you're going to reduce the timeline until you become that person and you're going to get there so much quicker. Yes. Yeah. Beautifully said. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, you've grown yourself a lot yourself. We've talked about that, but you've also grown a lot as a team. I believe mm-hmm. you have almost 15 staff at the moment. Yeah. Now, I know I learned a lot about mm-hmm. myself, about business, about communication. When you're hiring, I want to talk about what the biggest lessons you've learned either about business or yourself. But before we, before we do that, because I just like, I like celebrating these small moments because it's what makes business so fun, so rewarding for people. Talk to me about your first hire, how you felt when you got to hire your, your first couple employees and yeah, what, what those days were like for you. Um, so my first ever hire, I had two VAs. I was like, okay, I'll test the waters by hiring someone virtually. They don't have to physically be here. And it was at this point we had an apartment. I was running my business from one of the, the living room from in our apartment. I couldn't really get someone in. So the first VA, that didn't work out. And that was a real learning curve. And like I've got to be really prepared and really I can't just think like I'm so busy putting out these fires. You just figure out what to do. Like it just doesn't work like that. I've got to start recording everything I'm doing on Loom and explaining why I'm doing it and then customer service, here's our templates, I've set this up, um, just getting everything really clear and ready so that when I tried to hire again it actually worked really well and I was like, oh, okay, this we can figure this out um, and then that kind of gave me the confidence to hire my first physical team member but my first hire, Christina, she's been with me she, since mid-2019, that first month we made profit, I was like, yes, come work <laughs> for me. Um, she was so sweet because she had emailed me for months like, I want to intern with you, I want to intern. And I just kept saying no mm. because I didn't – I'm like, this isn't a business. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't want anyone to come in and see the chaos and it's not really what you think it is. Like it's this woman in a room trying to sell swimwear, like everything's a mess. So I was too embarrassed to kind of let her in and then she just was like, no, I'm coming to your place. Like I'm going to meet up with you. Let's go out for lunch. I'd never met her before. Um She's like, I just, even if I just get to speak to you and she was just so adamant. Um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, we'll do that. And then when I was in person, I just couldn't say no. I was like, okay, okay, just start <laughs> with me. So even this was like the same, a month before we started making profit, she pretty much worked for a month for free. Like she just wanted to be a part and learn because she was studying, uh, I think it was marketing and fashion as well. Like she just wanted to see what it looked like to have a little online business and so she just came in every few days and helped me and she was just amazing. And obviously that um, tenacity, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like you're my first hire. I trust that I can help you. Like we've already worked together but also I've worked with – I've hired someone else that can work. And then that VA actually ended up training her a lot in little things and as I was there. 
Um, and then I kind of just, they had their own initiative to when, you know, templates or videos of tutorials and things in our library became redundant, they would update it. And that was a big thing, just always hiring on that self-initiative. Like you have to have the ability to do things at your own discretion, you know, outside of work. Like you're doing this for you because you want to grow because that obviously carries into work. And so that's one of our values when we hire. Um, so it's, you know, and you're not always going to hire correctly, but that's – I essentially replicated that as we grew and then obviously it grows into you know you start needing to have departments and like head of departments because you can't have your fingers in everything all the time but yeah that that was the that was the start of that yeah you mentioned the word tenacious I think it's so important your first few hires when you have a small business whether it be e-commerce or 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 any other type of business it's like they become like your family like you're I remember our first full like full full full-time hire we had my brother helping do all the orders for us. But we had our first full-time hire, um, Joe. Shout out, Joe. I don't know if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but she was with us for like three and a bit years. She was a, a friend that I knew from just, you know, in the area. And she was working in Egom. And I remember talking to her one time, like this was a few weeks before we hired her because, you know, you don't want to hire anyone too early. You're like, you don't want to – because it's a big commitment, you know what yeah. I mean? A brand new business and you're going to have to start paying someone. And I spoke to her about it. We said, look, it's going really good now, but we don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be a very general role. You'd be doing yeah. a million different things. And she's like, nah, sweet, all good. And there were days that we were all – there was only three of us in the office at the start. It was me, my, my old business partner, George and Joe. And we'd sit in that little room with the air con on from like 8 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. And then like, all right, guys, let's do it all again in the morning. Yeah. But it's like they're tough and it's like – if you own the business or you're a partner in the business, like you've got to do that. But finding people that like want to grow themselves and want to learn themselves, mm-hmm. but also want to help the business grow. Like yeah. those people are so like, they are so important to your business. They're golden. If you can't, if like you going out on a limb and you hire your first couple of people and they're really bad, they're not it can like, sink your business. Absolutely. It's skeleton mm. stuff. And it is that, yeah, showing up until – you know, we'd have Christina and she'd stay there until like almost 11 trying, yeah. to, trying to get orders out and really I like, can't emphasise this enough. Like your first few hires have to be like helicopter people, mm-hmm. happy to just dive in wherever they are. And there's going to be some people who don't want that. That's fine. They're not for you. But really making sure you know that in the interview process. Or I was lucky that I could see it. But, you know, she was dying to intern, <laughs> you know. Yeah. She had just had that motivation. Well, Joe over there, it's so funny. Joe... He's obviously now the producer uh, of the podcast and doing another project with him. But he, the same thing, he messaged me yeah. four or five different times. Hey, can I work for you for free? Can I intern at Happy Skin Co? Whatever. And like for whatever reason, it never like made its way through to me. I'd get people to look at the resumes. And I remember seeing him and had a couple little conversations with him. And then it came to the time for to do the podcast. I want someone to figure this shit out with me. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't say what it was, but I said it's a project. I said one of the main things that's important is you need to be committed uh, to personal development and growth. Like that's the most important value for me is that. And he's like, not sweet. And finding like finding those people that just are keen to learn and keen to grow yeah. at the start is so important. Because when you get a little bit bigger as a company, you start getting the people that see the name of the brand or they've maybe seen an article about how much revenue you guys have done or whatever. Well, I've seen you work with all these influencers and they want to come in and sometimes think that just because you've done however many million that it's a corporate kind of environment, mm-hmm. but it's so different to that. Regardless, yeah. I think if you have like 20 staff or less, you're still very, very much a small business and yeah. everyone who works there is so vital to the success of the business. And it's like mm-hmm. 
there's no there's not much room for people to check in and get a get a paycheck it's like you really need to make sure everyone is bought in and like you don't people like you don't expect people every day you don't have to do more than nine to five every day but it's like having the people that are like bought into it it's really important now what's some of the biggest lessons or mistakes you've made when it comes to hiring i mean if, if you say every single person you've hired has worked out you'll be the first person that i've oh, ever yeah. spoke to so yeah what do you think about that uh biggest one like hire slow fire fast yeah. for sure i mean i know we hear it so much but again another cliche one you have to trust your gut like if someone if they're looking fantastic and everything sounds really good but something's just off uh i've done it enough times to just be like nah I'm not even entertaining like, oh, but the what if? It's like mm. I, I'm really sorry. It's just I can't – um, the feeling's off because you've got – you have feelings for a reason. It's like learnt wisdom that you're not – you haven't yet maybe processed, but it's there. Um, yeah, culture is a huge one. I think that's pretty obvious, but just – But culture's hard, right? Because it's yeah. like everyone throws around the words culture. They do. It's yeah. like how, how do you – build a culture how do you decide a culture like mm. there's no there's no there's no playbook on it no and it's like yeah it's it's really difficult i feel like as a first time business owner to get culture right it's the best thing i've had and and i don't know if this is the way that you're meant to go about it if they teach you in business school i lasted two months in uni so i didn't get, <laughs> no, get they didn't, don't teach you anything <laughs> didn't, get that, didn't get that far but it's like for me it's just like okay for me i want to have i want to build businesses that are aligned with what I enjoy and what I really care about. And it's like, if I can just hire people that are like-minded in the same sort of values as me, that want to have fun and grow and still look cool to work hard. I feel like that's worked the best, like trusting my gut and going with what feels good. When I've tried to outthink it and okay, I need this sort of person. And then, then that sort of person, it's like, it's just, it's so easy to get hiring wrong. And I think it's, it's, it's great what you said, hire slow, fire fast. As humans, we're like we do the opposite so much. Like yeah. we hike, we I need to hire someone, so and it's like you can you know by like the first few weeks if someone's going to work out and not be like, nah, maybe they'll change or maybe I can, yeah. And you don't want to ever have uncomfortable conversations. You don't want to no. have to. But if you really can, as quick as you can into your business journey, learn that the highest slow fire fast, it'll it'll save you so much heartache for sure. Yeah. I mean, and going back to that culture piece, it is so difficult. So, like, you're never going to get it right in the first I, first few years. I don't know anyone who's gotten it right. Like, even now I can sit here and be like, I'm really proud of the culture that I've built. Like, we have very clear values that we stick on the walls and we hire for and we'll ask questions, problem solving that show, like, where they fall on the value scale. But even still, like, you know, you can, you cannot please everyone, even if – yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of two different things now, like a culture for people to come in and make sure they're happy and they're enjoying it. Like what one person loves may not be what someone else loves, even if they do have quite similar or overlapping values. Just doing the best you can and really just having as much integrity as you can with the values that you tell people you're hiring for. Yeah, yeah and I think I think it's it's different if you have like a small business, like 20, mm-hmm. like less than 20 staff. Like yeah. you can kind of – more like like you as well. Where all we talk about is growth, how to get better, like or who, who like what content creators do you follow? Like everyone, or everyone here in our team. Like remember, Maddie, who was one of the 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 most recent people we hired. Mm-hmm. There was down to the final two, Maddie, who she's like she's a lot younger than than uh, than me. But like I saw in a way, it's like 
reminded me of how I was at her age. And like, yeah. there was another person in the final two who maybe had a little bit more experience, um, maybe a little bit more polished in certain ways. And it's like on paper, it was probably saying hi to that other person. But me and our operations manager who we ended up hiring her, we decided like, fuck it, let's just go with our gut here. And she's been with us probably over a year. And it's like, she's just like fit in like straight away. And like we realized, fuck, really made the right decision doing yeah. that. Like just hiring people that you're going to enjoy being around. If you have a small business, mm -hmm. like you, you put so much on the line and this is my advice to people. And I know it's not, I know it's not right. If you're building a hundred million dollar business, you have 50 or 70, a hundred staff. Sure. It's going to change as you grow. But like, if you want to build a business, like you're putting a lot on the line. In my opinion, you should, if you're going to make decisions to hire people as much as you can, hire people that you enjoy spending time with. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. And I'm starting to realize that. Like I look around, I'm like, oh my God, like 90% of my life is spent with this group of women. We've got a, a male member mm -hmm. on the team now, which we're so excited about. <laughs> but yeah, it's this group of wonderful people. I couldn't like, and I've had team members who I don't get along with. They don't like me or whatever. And it's just the worst mm. and you can't make decisions. And, and me, I'm, I very much fall into like the people pleasing mode. And I'm like, is it really? Good? And start worrying. But it's like those who really do share those values um, and, yeah, like just making sure that they're people that you're going to respect mm. and they're going to respect you and they know communication is a huge one as well. Yeah. So I could have gone on about communication but that is really the piece that I've found if that we share a similar communication style, I can't help but get along with them. Even if we have very different ideas of different things, I really respect how they've delivered it or mm. – um, and did you, I imagine you're similar age to me, like how old are you now? 28. Yeah, I'm 29, similar age. Did you at all struggle, because you started your business, you would have been younger than me. Did you ever struggle? And it's something that I've got past, luckily, mm -hmm. but in the first couple of years, like the balance between wanting everyone to like you and be your friend, but you're also kind of yeah. the boss. You know I think I, I still struggle with it. Mm. I think um, some people are obviously going to be way better at it, but I just love, I love so like I love my team members and I'm like, oh, what did you get up to? Like I have this horrible – like it's such a passion of mine. Like it's it's a habit. Like I just – and I had to try and hold myself back and even in this podcast because I'm like I'm going to start asking him questions. I want to start talking. I want to see what's in his mind. I'll just like pull someone aside and be like what's going on? Like, you know, talk to me. I just – I don't know. I've always thought maybe I'd be a therapist or something. Like I love <laughs> listening yeah. and trying to be there as much as I can for other people. So that gets a little – messy like I need to stop that because I care so much about them I want them to know like I'm always here you know I'm like your big sister kind of thing but you you have got to set boundaries yeah boundary setting I was just gonna yeah, say yeah. so important it's so important not only for you but for them mm. like then they're going oh you know what what's the limit here like mm. can I go out for drinks with Amber or can I not and you know well why is that person going out for drinks with Amber so I'm like no Amber you can't like yeah. show up you love them all equally um but you you know, like a parent, like you love – I'm not a parent of these of my staff, but <laughs> you can love something so much that you're able to come in and offer constructive mm. criticism because you know it's going to help them. But it can be very hard to do that if you have personal friendships sure. with the people. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, we'll start to wrap it up. I want to ask a couple last questions more business-focused. But on that stuff, there will be so many people uh, everyone I speak to that's had a brand in their, their first brand in their 20s. Yeah. Everyone goes through the same sort of stuff. So it's just – Good for people to hear other people that have built successful brands in their own right saying the same things and just being honest and open about it because there's too many business owners that have like built 
business and be like, no, nah, I've been perfect from the start. I'm this person. I show up every day. And it's just like, it's just bullshit. It's not the truth. So yeah. I just like being really open and honest and just chatting about it. And like, maybe, hey, if we talk in 10 years, maybe we don't do that stuff anymore. Yeah. Maybe we're so much better and we will be. But it's just this continual process of getting better every day, like you said. Um, but the last cu couple of questions, I want to ask more about the business now. Mm -hmm. As someone who went from working three jobs, posting in groups, discount codes, you had your Instagram page to now doing $8 million a year. What are the main channels today that you focus on to, to grow your brand? How have you been able to grow your brand? What is it? Facebook ads for you. I imagine obviously influencer marketing, that sort of stuff, but where are your focus for your business? Yeah. Facebook ads is huge. I think we could do a lot better on influencer marketing. Um, we haven't really like tapped into that as much as we could, it's just because the team is so busy and like organizing all of that. We really need to find someone really designated to do that. But Google ads, really TikTok ads has kind of been like a huge um, new avenue for us as well. But it's always the Facebook ads. But they all work as a whole. Like we invest a lot in EDMs like Clavio and making sure that all the flows and everything works because there's no point paying for a view with Facebook ads if you don't have a whole ecosystem for this person to then run through. But yeah, it's definitely for now, it's Facebook ads. And have you guys branched into retail at all? Or are you guys all online D2C? Yeah, all online. We yeah. haven't branched into would you, retail. Would you ever make that decision, do you think? Or yeah, do you want to? for sure. I'm actually planning of going to uh, Europe for some time later this year, maybe even the States, just because there is demand there. Mm. Particularly uh, The States we can send to just fine, but Europe's really tricky with duties and stuff yeah. and trying to set up some retail like being mm. stocked in more um, marketplaces and things like that but I think I've just always been too scared it's like this huge thing that I'm unfamiliar with and mm. I can see I'm limiting myself in that area but this year I'm actually really content with like how we are you know every year it's been like grow grow it's just this huge sprint mm. and now I'm just going to chill out for a little bit and just uh honor the season that I'm in which is just like okay let the dust settle yeah. and then come re-emerge with this inspiration that's authentic rather than just trying to push this out and grow this thing um so yeah well you kind of answered my next question it was like what what is the future where does the future lie what are you looking at doing this year like what's your vision for yeah. for the brand um, so my vision for the brand, there's so much – I get excited because I'm like, oh, there's so much opportunity because right now we really only sell like one style of swimsuit. It's the same cut, whether it's the wrap suit, which is like a one-piece version of the bikini or, or it's the bikini, but they look exactly the same. And I'm like, you know, other brands have like tens of different designs and we just have the same thing, just in different colours. So I'm really excited to finally be able to play with different fabrics. Our current fabrics are very um, sculpting and quite firm and they do soften with wear but I'd like to offer something that's a little more comfortable for women who don't want to feel <laughs> sucked in you know um, some playing with different fabrics and different cuts but all back to that ethos of something that's really going to be customizable no matter what your body shape uh, so it's going to help you feel confident and yourself in a in a swimsuit so yeah there's all these different products that I'm thinking up different things that we can offer and I imagine you, you, sorry to cut you off, you have mm -hmm. a lot of repeat business. Do you find that people come back to you and purchase more than one once off your brand? Oh, yeah, for sure. We have, you know, and we'll have our little Facebook group and everything of people, even yeah, just the, the beauty of our product because it's a swimsuit. And I kind of realized early on, I'm like, okay, it's one swimsuit. Why would anyone need a $260 swimsuit more than once in the next few years? So 
it having them all reversible and interchangeable once you buy two say bikinis you can get 16 plus different looks and so we have these loyal customers who will always post pictures like what would go well with this I'm getting my next one to mix and match you know it's like this beautiful capsule wardrobe um, opportunity that you get with the swimwear and you get a lot of excited customers who are keen to like essentially play dress ups and like try all the different things so yeah yeah I love that Uh, and I love the community you've built I love how you've done it differently to other people like looking at your socials looking at your website like I can see a really clear chunk of the market you've cut out for yourself and like you said it's more than just making money like you're helping people feel feel good about themselves that have been forgotten by a lot of the rest of the the swimwear market so I'm excited to hopefully continue to watch you grow and flourish and just enjoy the process so thanks again for coming on uh so much hour and a bit flew by so thank you again and best of luck for the future thank you so much and likewise it's been wonderful cheers All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favour, do me a favour, do your friends a favour and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.